0: Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in Freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything that's happening in the cold chain world. Not only do we have the coolest show in freight, but there is also Running on Ice, a newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on slash running on ice. Before we get into our guest interview, let's get some headlines. The Food and Drug Administration has taken up the recommendation that came from the White House's Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health by conducting a research project on the effects of stoplight nutrition labels on the front of packaging. These labels would highlight when a product has too much of one category, as in fat, saturates, sugar, and salt with a corresponding stoplight color. Red for too much, yellow for nah, it's okay, and green for eat as much of it as you want. There's This is already something that is happening in the UK. The FDA is also asking for a 60-day open- comment period from industry participants during the study. If you've ever been to a state fair in the Midwest, you've likely seen a butter sculpture firsthand. But what happens to all that butter when the fair is over? Turns out more often than not, it'll be turned into a source of renewable energy through biogas digesters on farms. These biogas digesters take the methane, produce it, take the methane that's produced from decomposing food and turn it into fuel for a farm equipment. It's not that common yet, but most as most farmers need to get the funds to get this technology in place, but it's yet another way to reduce food waste for those that have those capabilities. Elkhart, Indiana-based engineering foam packaging, a manufacturer of custom protective packaging and cold chain solutions, announced the acquisition of North Carolina-based company NatureCool Incorporated, the world's first natural fiber insulated shipper. This acquisition represents the next building block in EFP's efforts to provide a complete line of high quality and repeatable cold chain packaging solutions to the U.S. market. This acquisition provides one more link in the geographic expansion of EFP's Temperature Solutions Group. Today we are joined by Sam Savage, Pod Development Manager at Circle Logistics. Welcome to Running at Ice. Sam, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Um, You know, just excited to dive into why insurance and cargo liability matters because everybody just complains about it. Um, So before we get started into that, uh, why don't you give us a brief rundown of your background and kind of how you ended up at Circle
1: Logistics? Sure. So um, I started working roughly about 15 years ago. Um, I started doing customer service because I was really unsure where I wanted my career to go. Um, I've played sports most of my life. So I went to college playing softball and basketball, Um, found out that working out was not really something I enjoyed doing. Um, And in the college realm of things, it has to happen every day. So I decided to go another route. Um, and I kind of landed in customer service, managing people for the last 10 or so years. Um, loved every part of that and kind of just took a leap of faith after um, having kids and getting married to wanting to work closer to home rather than driving like 45 minutes every day. So I started looking um, and Circle Logistics actually found me. Um, long story short, but they, they did find me um, really unsure of kind of what my career path would be and what I would be doing. But with my background background. Um, they also kind of took a leap of faith with me. So um, we're here. I've been here for now for two years. Um, I love every part of what I do day in, day out, even when it comes down to the insurance that we're going to be talking about. Um, but I now run a team of about 150 people here at Circle and um, they all make jokes, but I tell them every day I'm not done yet. So um, I've got some big goals for myself and some big goals for Circle and I truly look forward to seeing what Circle has in store for me in the future.
0: I, I love it. I feel like you have, um, you know, I don't know many people that have ended up in supply chain and transportation who have like gone out and looked for it. It's just kind of like they've fallen into it, it myself included. Um, and so it's nice to know that that's just still transportation and supply chains just out there getting everybody when they least expect it. <laughs> All right. So, um, I think you also might be one of the only people that I've ever met my entire life that enjoyed talking about cargo insurance. So, you know, um, bless you for that. Someone's got to do it. (laughs) So for those who aren't familiar, myself included, I don't really know what type of or not transportation, what type of insurance is required for most refrigerated trucking or temperature-controlled companies? So kind of what is that baseline minimum insurance and then kind of how is it different from dry van because that's probably what most people are the most familiar with.
1: Sure. So there's a wide variety um, of insurance requirements. Um, A lot of what Circle is going to base their requirements off from are are our customers. Um, So a lot of what we do is customer-related um, and we build teams around our customers. So part of my team and my scope is going to be some of the reefer business, but we do anything from um, refrigerated food to frozen foods to there's also the medical field that requires the refrigerated trucks, um, which I was a little bit more unfamiliar with um, until recently, I would say. But our main focus is about 100K in cargo. That is the standard for the quote-unquote industry that we kind of live in here. So 100K, um, but typically I always, my teams ask the requirements because they it could change. If you're hauling medical, you could need up to 250 or possibly a million as well. Um, not a hard thing to obtain, but it is just a little bit different of an add-on to your insurance that the carrier themselves would need um, or us would need to request and or hold that gap, basically. Um, so it requires same basic truck insurance, um, insurance policies that a dry van would require. There's just a few additional add-ons that you can have regarding um, spoilage insurance, and or um, kind of a breakdown insurance as well. So I know we'll get a little bit deeper into that here shortly. So I won't dive too far there, but the difference um, that you need to know is is covering the freight that you're hauling. So if if you're hauling frozen goods that can no you know cannot reach a basic temperature, you're probably going to want to make sure you have some additional insurance to cover that uh, breakdown if necessary, if you're hauling on the West Coast, uh, where it's typically warmer all the time, <clears throat> rather than <clears throat> in the Midwest. So so it's kind of funny that you mentioned that the uh, the
0: insurance kind of value goes up depending on that goods, which I mean, that's pretty traditional and drive-in as well. But um, it is kind of a pain if you have something that is um that is more expensive like for example when i did flatbed i haul- i hauled multimillion dollar um research tractors which were just giant tractors, and so it was. It wasn't necessarily harder to find carriers that did it, but it was just kind of that extra paperwork that they had to go do, and it was just like that little extra bit that they had to do on that front end to make sure that they had enough liability. Um, because they would always be like, "Oh, I don't need it. Like, I'm not going to get into an accident," and I'm like, "That's great." But you do, because I cannot like the first time someone's like, oh, I don't, I don't get in accidents. I don't need that extra insurance. We're not, I'm not going to pay for it if I don't need it. That's what I'm like. And for that, I'm out like shark tank style. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> um, so, Yes. Uh, no matter what, if you take anything away from this, it's that never hire someone that does not have the maximum liability that is needed because um, they, it's going to be a bad time. Um, so you touched on it a little bit, um, kind of when reefers break down, whether it's, um, through the truck got into an accident and the, uh, you know, the trailer got damaged or the reefer unit got damaged, or it just decided that it did not want to work that day. How does that, how do those policies cover that? Like, does it, cause you touched on it, food spoilage, that's not even something that I really knew was a separate part. So kind of how do those breakdowns work and what are those processes that you like start with when you get that dreaded call of, oops, it broke.
1: <laughs> yeah. So a lot of what we do when we are vetting our carriers to begin with is we ask, um, we ask the simple questions if they have the additional breakdown insurance coverage, and if they also have um, kind of a gap insurance coverage on that. So you can purchase an additional breakdown insurance on the reefers, which ranges anywhere from to $2,000 per year additional to their standard um, liability, cargo, all of the normal insurance that that the truckers require. But um, it all varies and can be more or less depending on the commodity, depending on your driver's years of service and the areas you're servicing. So, again, if they're servicing, you know, frozen food in the California market, um, their insurance is probably going to be a little bit higher um, to add that on just due to the warmer climate that we're that we're in there um, So it, it all varies too on the age of the reefer unit so a lot of these newer trucks coming in actually have a little bit lower premiums just based on the new technology that they have with a lot of these reefer units so um, a lot of that will will kind of go into the play. They also obviously look back just like at every insurance if there's been prior claims. Or anything noted against their MCS to kind of adjust for those sorts of things too. Um, so there's really the, the spoilage is kind of the the one thing that they investigate pretty significant. Um, if we do break down in transit and um, freight is is spoiled, they do a lot. an an extensive amount of research um, to verify if that was the reefer unit, if it was a driver's malfunction, um, or if there was something that could have been done prior to prevent that breakdown. But they do do a very extensive background check on a lot of those reefer units prior to taking off. So the biggest thing that we always suggest is check on your drivers, make sure that their units are up to date, inspected, um, and are ready to to go over the road before taking off. So we avoid any of those um, mishaps in the middle of our transit.
0: Yeah, no one really wants to deal with an entire, like, 53-foot va- container of, of spoiled goods. Like, that's not on anyone's, like, wake up and to-do list that day. Like, nobody wants to do it. It just happens, unfortunately. Um, so I guess, like, when that happens, does it get, does it, after insurance kind of goes through it, does it just kind of get processed like any other claim would? Um, you know, as to who gets paid out what?
1: Yes. Yes, it does. So just as a normal claim would go on a drive-in, um, same situations happen for the refrigerated units. Um, obviously a little bit more messy sometimes to discard of the remnants of what we had going on. Um, but other than that, it it goes through normal process changes and then um, everybody's paid out. And usually, unfortunately, a grocery store is without some sort of, of good that we would have wanted that week.
0: And when you say it's kind of messy to clean out, I don't know why, but the very first thing that pops into my mind is just like an entire truckload full of popsicles. And there's just like sticky popsicle juice everywhere. I I know that's probably not the most of it, but for some reason, that's just what immediately jumps into my mind is there's just an entire, an entire trailer full of popsicle juice. And (laughs) that just sounds miserable. And like, I feel like I need to shower just thinking about it.
1: Yes. It definitely be a sticky situation.
0: Um do they do they ever send you guys pictures of like the disgusting or like the the goo that ends up in there inevitably?
1: We have had an like circle has not, but I have heard the horror stories of the ice cream truck. So when you said popsicles, it I went to ice cream um because that is one of the things that we hear quite often drivers ask is it ice cream or is it um, poultry or pork. Um, we get that a lot when we're questioning hauling the reefers just due to the quote unquote messy situations that could come from those trucks. Oh, Oh. no, thanks. (laughs) No, thank you.
0: I, I don't even want to know what an ice cream truck would, would smell like at the end of it. Like, mm, no, thank you. That's, it's going to be a no for me. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so I know that everyone like you've, you said you've been around for a hot minute so you've definitely heard um the term visibility thrown around enough that you know you're you're happy to never hear that word again but we're gonna bring it up again today so <laughs> all these new visibility tools that have come out kind of how do they help like help control and help prevent the spoilages or damages that occur in these reefer units and in these, um, and in the cold chain, is it making things better or is it making things like kind of worse ish or is it in the worst? It's in the worst before it gets better part. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think we're kind of in the middle of all of it, to be honest. So a lot of the technology that they have on these reefer units now, um, there's kind of an alarm that will alert you if you're falling below the set temperature that either we request or our customers request or just the alert that, hey, you're dropping temperature significantly or temperatures on the rise. Um, So the nice part about that being kind of a 24 seven 7 tracker on it um, is at all points and times we can see what temperature the trucks are at, at what time. So again, if we refer back to that spoiled milk or spoiled ice cream, we have visibility on when it may have went bad, whether that was the driver's fault, our fault, or the refrigerator unit failing. Um, So that is definitely a nice piece of technology that we have. The other one, too, depending on if it's um, in the medical field for the refrigerated units, are the light sensors. Um, A lot of the trucks, when opening those doors, those light sensors um, go off, which alert what time it was opened um, and what part of our transit they were open to allow for that alert as well. a lot of the units, though, when we speak about the insurance, that reefer temperature is huge. So, again, if there is a claim against them or any sort of um, common common denominator that would cause something to go bad, we can refer back to that temperature, um, which is... 90% of the fail amongst a refrigerated truck in transit is that temperature falling too low or too high. Um, so it's definitely kind of in the middle for us right now. I, can, I don't see anything new coming out that really will move the ball forward any further than what we have currently. Um, but I think a lot of it's going to be kind of customer routed for the, the information that a customer needs and for us carriers to be able to provide to them, I think, is kind of our next step in the technology realm.
0: So do you think that, well, first of all, are there sensors that like monitor the outside temperature as well? Because I would imagine that that reefer unit would have to kind of do a little bit of funny stuff if you're, if you're driving in 10 degree weather and the product is supposed to be kept at a a balmy 38 degrees, kind of how does that play into some of it where the temperature matters? Cause obviously if you're in the middle of, you know, the desert. I don't know where it's like 90 degrees and you're driving on it that that reefer unit is going to be chugging along but when it goes to the opposite of 10 degrees that outside air is you know gonna trailers are drafty it's gonna it's gonna get in there so how do you guys kind of handle those really really cold temperatures
1: They will do um, they will kind of stop and reevaluate or recalibrate, I guess, is the best word for it. If we're going through major temperature swings on our transit, Um, when they're doing their resting, a lot of that changeover will happen kind of at that rest area, knowing, hey, we're going into the desert climates or, hey, we're coming out of that climate so um, they can adjust their temperatures appropriately for that. But they definitely do. It's just like your refrigerator versus, you know, the one in the house or the one in the garage. They have two different settings and always, you know, you you grab a can of soda from the garage fridge and it's icy and from the inside fridge, it's not. So they definitely adjust to their climate um, going, you know, the climates that we're going through from from region to region. But also at
0: the same point, like the growing up the garage fridge that we had, we knew in the summer, we couldn't put anything that wasn't like, like Otter Pops in the freezer because it wouldn't stay cold. Um, Because turns out like a a Midwest 90 degrees is a little too much for that freezer, that garage freezer to keep up. (laughs) Um, So you, uh, you touched on it a little bit in your last question, but do you see any major pieces of technology coming up in the next few years that would kind of help reduce some of these bigger insurance premiums or reduce the amount of damages happening? Um, and if there's not tech that you know of, um, what would be your dream? What would be your dream technology to come out to make everything easier?
1: I don't see anything that they have currently on the market or that I've researched about. Um, but I think the biggest thing is kind of the battery backup to the refrigerated units, because a lot of them require power. Um, so if they do break down, they need to be attached to power in order to keep moving. So whether that's a, you know, generator, um, some of them have them, some of them don't, but a kind of backup generator um, and or some battery operated um backups would be a great option for a lot of the refrigerated units that um, refrigerated units are customers. I know that we haul for would be a great backup for us. I kind of like that. Like just, for in
0: my head, I know a generator is big and massive, but in my head, they have compacted it down to be like this big, and that way you could just stick it on to the generator and or the the uh, the reefer unit. And then as it dies, it just automatically is like, don't worry, this little tiny generator's got it. Um, I don't think they'll ever compress a generator down that small, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but a girl can dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can dream.
0: <laughs> um, I like that though. Little per- little portable generators for your reefer units. side um so we are getting towards the end of this but there is a question that everyone that comes in the show has to answer um we it's something new that we started when we took over um and we're trying to spice it up a little bit so um is cereal a soup
1: i'm gonna say no and i say no because soup to me is warm and my cereal should be cold correct so i'm
0: guessing you're not a big (laughs) fan of gazpacho the cold soup correct okay i've had a gazpacho exactly one time and it was just not for me yeah Mm -mm. i'm also not a big soup person in general so um it was just very unsettling like i just don't get it like why do you eat it with a spoon it just feels weird that you're like spooning liquid into your mouth i can't i I have, I have struggles. Okay. I have struggles, um, but I struggle. also think that <laughs> cereal is not a soup. I think that it's, it's cereal, you know, just cause it's stuff in a liquid. No,
1: I agree. I agree.
0: Okay. So if anyone wants to take on your, um, if anyone has the answer to your dream, uh, reefers, generators, or if they want to take on your, cause your soup cereal hot take, uh, where can they find you outside of the show?
1: Um, you can find me in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> um I'm usually at circle it's usually my my fun spot if not I am um at sporting events with my kids so
0: All right there you go just drive around Fort Wayne Indiana yes. around yes. the kids sporting events
1: <laughs> <laughs> But it's That's totally really fine, fine. <laughs>
0: All right well thank you so much for being on the show today
1: Thank you for having me I
0: appreciate it you can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on Freightways TV, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. we're Running on Ice news, Running on Ice the newsletter is a, can be found on FreightWaves.com/slash Running on Ice. See you on the internet.